Welcome to the Marketing Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Collins. If you'd like to watch this episode instead of just listen to it, head over to our website at marketingchiefpodcast.com or search for us on YouTube. This week, we continue with part two of our conversation with NBA veteran and sports marketer, Mike Birch. Mike is the Chief Strategy Officer for Speedway Motorsports. As we rejoin the conversation, we are talking about the business of NASCAR. So you can talk about share, you can talk about ratings. How engaged are your fans? How how much do they have passion for your brand? And that's something that I think has never gone away. Yeah, you look at look at the research and, and NASCAR fans, you know, why it's attractive to so many sponsors is because of the passion of the fan mm-hmm. base. And mm-hmm. uh, they consistently rank that are you more likely to buy a product if they're a NASCAR sponsor versus other sports? And NASCAR is continually ranked at the top of, of that uh, that metric relative, relative to other sports. So I think because fans understand that, you know, when you, you know, drink a Bush beer, you in some small way are supporting Kevin Harvick and sure. and the and the racing team. That there's no there's no contractual there's no CBA. It's not negotiated. There's no union. Um, that driver is largely benefiting from the revenue that's being generated through sponsorship. So fans understand that there was a driver Boris said who sponsored a drink company and and he would always tell fans you know sell more cases run more races because he was not fully sponsored but uh-huh. the more more cases of the product that, that fans bought you know that money then helped him get more sponsorship dollars so i think race fans understand that you know when they go to a the coca-cola connection. 600 that coke sponsorship is helping that event happen and when they're rooting mm-hmm. for their driver they understand that by them supporting that product maybe it's only a fraction of a penny but some amount of that money is going to help that race team and there's that direct relationship between a fan behavior and the drive. There's no real kind of owner intermediating within that. There's no union intermediating. There's no league. Everybody's out there as an independent contractor. They're all coming together on this race weekend to create this competition and this event. So so that engagement, that passion, um, I remember going down to Coke and they monitor all their social media mm-hmm. and they see that they see the highest engagement on Sunday afternoons with NASCAR fans, even higher than the NFL. Because when you start to add up all the different pieces, so people who are followers of the event or of the track or of the team or of a Toyota or a Ford, individual driver, individual sponsors, you start to aggregate that universe together and it's yeah. it's really powerful. It's hard to right. measure because right. it's so disparate. Right. It's not just, oh, yeah. let's just go to NBA.com and that represents the whole yeah, piece. Right. But there's the, the sport is so broad, the palette is so bro- big uh, and that gives you a lot of flexibility and a lot of ways to be creative in meeting the objectives of whatever your uh, your target audience is, whether that's a corporate client, whether that's a fan, whether that's a manufacturer, whether you know whoever it is, a right. broadcast partner. Uh, you know, we changed the schedule up a lot last year to create new new events. We raced a dirt event uh, for the first time in 40 years this spring at Bristol. We went to a new market in Austin at Circuit of the Americas where. It's funny, we, we rented a facility that we didn't own and ran, took one of our, our race dates and ran it at that facility. And ironically enough, that's something our founder did 50 years ago when he started the company. He would go and rent a horse track or rent a facility and promote the race um, without owning the facility. So we kind of went back to the future to, to try something new, to go to a new mar- market in Austin, Texas, create some, uh, a new buzz for our broadcast partners at Fox and was really successful. That's really cool. So you produced the event at somebody else's venue. 
That's yeah. awesome. And I think you'll see more see more of that um, yeah. uh, as you try to reach new fans. Seventy percent of the fans at that event were new to our database, so we definitely wow. re- reach new new people there. And uh, I'm looking forward to finalizing the schedule for next year, and hopefully we'll get back to Austin again. And what what other um, uh, series do you race other than NASCAR? So we uh, we host an IndyCar uh, event at okay. our Speedway uh, in Texas. Uh, we host six NHRA drag race events. We've got four drag strips uh, around the country. Then all all the support series in NASCAR. You've got the uh, Xfinity series, which is kind of the Triple A uh, of NASCAR. You, we've got uh, the Truck series, and then actually we we own and build and create uh, what are called the uh, Legends cars. Uh, which is a 5.8 size car, a little smaller than a normal car, kind of based on cars from the old bootlegger days, um, <laughs> that actually most of the drivers who are racing at the top level started their careers driving in our Legends car. So it's kind of the, the Pop cool. Warner version. Uh, you know, If you wanted to uh-huh. get started, if your kids wanted to get started, it was actually designed to fit in the back of a Ford F-150 pickup truck. So you didn't have to buy a trailer or hauler. <laughs> so you could just, and wow. it's all spec, all, all wow. spec parts. Uh, the engine uh-huh. is sealed. Um, it basically runs on a, a Honda um, motorcycle engine, um, but a lot of drivers uh, start there and kind of work their way up the series. So the Dale Earnhardt Juniors of the world and uh, the Chase Elliotts and the, and the Bubba Wallaces uh, all got their career kind of starting. And, and we build those about five miles from where I'm sitting right now. We sell all the parts and we sanction all the races. So we've, we've kind of that's cool trying to get our fingers in as many pies as we can in the motorsports world. Well, speaking of that, as as things are evolving, as things are changing, you mentioned earlier how you're um, accommodating gambling in in some form in your what what also about kind of the esports and the e races and, and and how that works together and is that good for the sport? Does that help you guys? Hurt you guys because you're a facility owner? Or does it help because it's it's raising interest in the sport overall. Yeah, or? no, we're yeah, we're 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 big believers in it. And actually, uh, you know, when when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. uh, there's you know, there's a couple different levels of, of esports and racing. There's the 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 video game, uh, the Xbox, PS4 version, okay. but then there's a simulation called iRacing that a lot of the drivers right. use. Um, and iRacing uh, was so realistic that they actually Fox broadcast iRacing races and with the actual drivers, um, you know, everything from Denny Hamlin sitting in a $40,000, you know, simulator rig to Timmy Hill, who won one of the races, literally driving, you know, on a wheel you could buy at Best Buy, like bolted to his desk on his, <laughs> his home PC. But it's the same inputs. So, you know, there's a brake and a gas and a wheel. So the same things the drivers are doing, like Kevin Durant, you know, pushing an X and, and moving a joystick is not the same thing as shooting a jump shot or playing defense. But when these drivers are using the iRacing simulator, they're actually using the same inputs. They actually, a lot of them will use it for training uh, when they're going to a track that they're not, they're going to a road course or we're going to one of these new circuits. They will spend hours driving in iRacing to kind of get a feel for, for the track. So nine of the 10 top broadcasts on television from esports are iRacing NASCAR events. So the sport lends itself very well. And there's actually a driver, William Byron, who races for Hendrick Motorsports, drives the 24 car that Jeff Gordon made famous. He actually got his start in iRacing uh, as, a, really? as in, in like middle school. Uh, he, he got into it, drove on iRacing, said, I really like this. Mom and dad, would you, you know, I want to, I want to do this for real. And when we did our deal with iRacing, we made sure that our, our, 
Legends cars was the first car that you raced in that series. So if you wanted to, to eventually race stock cars, you had to race in one of our Legends cars just to introduce people and build mm-hmm. a Legends cars brand. So his parents actually went out and bought him a Legends car. And so he ran the Legends series here in Charlotte. They went to a late That's model so car. Crazy. They went to the yeah. truck series. They went to the Xfinity series. And now he's racing for Hendrick Motorsports. And Chase Elliott, our most popular driver, uh-huh. there's a, a series on Peacock called Chase, the kind of Dale Jr. kind of walks through his career. And he actually goes back to his, and shows his Bandolero car and talks about his Legends car and, and what he learned. So there's a legitimate series. Like, no matter how good I get at NBA 2K, I'm not going to play in the NBA, (laughs) but you have an actual case where a kid went the video game route, got good at the video game, and then just step by step by step moved up the ladder to reaching the major leagues of his sport. So we're big believers in in iRacing. You know, we've been partners with them since early days. We were, and, and like when they did our legends car, they didn't just take a picture of it and, and, and create one. They actually Mm -hmm. came down to our shop, and they scanned every single part. And then they virtually took those virtual parts and built the virtual car. So the car oh, is not just like this shell that you're mm-hmm. manipulating, but it's as close to a real Legends car as you're going to get. They scan these tracks down to, I think it's about two millimeters. So they are wow. detailed. Wow. They have their own physics model. They have their own atmosphere model. So if the humidity levels, you can set every single aspect to it because it all affects how the they have their own tire model that how how the grip adheres their own asphalt model so i mean it is literally as as real as it gets and yeah the drivers don't want to play the video games they really only want to get involved on, on i racing because that's the closest thing uh you know they can look really bad if a video game kid beats them on a video game but i've i've raced against some of the drivers you know randomly just you know, ran into dale jr one night racing a legends car at south boston speedway and he was three seconds a lap faster than me on a 20 second lap uh, and so these guys are are really good. So we're we're sure. big believers in that. Really see that as being a great entry point. And how do we do more to create compelling uh, gaming experiences from the iPhone, you know, the mobile gaming to the video gaming to to the simulation to actually get people. And that's how I learned the sport growing up. Was I, I played a lot of video games, and that's okay. that's how that's how I learned. You know, who drove what cars, who the sponsors were, and and who the different team team folks were so it's a great tool we've seen that with fifa we've seen that with mad we've seen that with 2k that really introduces a lot of athletes uh or a lot of kids to, to sports it gets them familiar with the athletes well I, I ran across one of those broadcasts during the pandemic and i i bet it took me three four five minutes is this real something's something's not quite right but it was very realistic i yeah, mean it's it was photo, so it's good realistic i mean you it, really you really have to look close to not because it's it's all modeled, you know, the the, the sunlight, the shading, the camera right. angles. And I right. think that's one of the reasons it made it successful is that it was very similar. People knew what they were looking at. You watch some of, uh, you know, the uh, Overwatch League and some of these things. Mm-hmm. It's very disorienting if you're not super mm-hmm. familiar with the game. So the fact that you had a very – and then they had – there's Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon doing the announcing. Doing so the you announcing, had right. the authentic, you know, network announcers. Exactly. Photorealistic – you know, simulation that's powered by the same inputs at, with the actual drivers yeah. using the actual tools that they use. So you add all together, and it's actually a pretty pretty compelling opportunity. Are there, with without you know revealing any secrets, are there, from a revenue standpoint, from a licensing standpoint, are there licensing deals between the car owners and the and the owners of the tracks and the people? You know, 
for all of that, you know, iRacing type of thing? Are there it's it's incredibly com complicated. It's not well. Yeah, I assume, but there's money yeah, changing yeah, hands, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, yeah. I would say it's. I mean, I like getting the royalty check every every quarter for uh, sure. you because know, we have a relationship with them. So as as yeah. I race has gotten more popular, those checks have increased. But it's not, you know, it's it's not really super material when when the broadcasters are paying tens of millions of dollars a race to broadcast those rights. You know, the rights we get from from licensing our brands or the, the the rights the team get but it's for me it's it's much more about an exposure opportunity again it was yes. really important for us to have those legends cars as part of that process so people understood what those cars were and, and how they fit in and it's important that our tracks be represented in these in these simulations or in these games because the the hope is that hey if you if you've driven a lot or you know you've enjoyed you know, participating at Charlotte Motor Speedway in the NASCAR heat game, at some point say, hey, I'm gonna go check this out. And you'll mm -hmm. be a little more familiar with it and, and a little understanding of the, of the sport. Maybe you'll watch a little more. Maybe you'll you'll pick a favorite driver and uh, that may right. be the thing that gets you into the sport. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's amazing. It's uh, goes back to the passion and the engagement. I, I, I love the I love the creativity of coming up with something like that. For for our last few minutes, Mike, let's 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 shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about um, you as a as a coach, as a mentor, as a mentee. Um, you've had people in your life. Uh, talk about this this concept of your personal board of directors and and kind of what that's all about. Yeah, um, you know, again, I've I've been very fortunate to actually be able to interact with with a lot of people who've had a huge influence on me. But when you think about, especially today, the access and the resource we have, not just to, to people, but you know, in, in books and podcasts like this, um, thinking about who are, the, who are the people or where are the sources you can go to, uh, to help yourself grow? Um, what books can you go back to? I mean, there's just so many. I look at, uh, there's people like, like Ray Dalio and his, his principles book has, has been really influential on me. Uh, uh, a writer like James Clear and his Atomic Habits book was, mm -hmm. was a tremendous influence. Uh, again, Ryan Holiday and, and his st stoicism. Obviously, you know the Bible and the commentaries and, mm -hmm. and the foundational work there. But you think about it, and and so there's you start to think about that. If, if my life is a company and I'm the CEO of my company, who who are the people who are directing my life? And for me, you know, Jesus and the Bible are are probably my are my chairman. But then sure. people like your parents, um, you know, peers, or you know, I've, I have a, a group of, of people that, that I meet with, you know, pretty regularly um, where we can talk about, you know, the struggles that we're having or the challenges that, that we're having um, as, as leaders. But there's so many tools out there that uh, you can also use to bring in and, and make those folks. And, and they may change you know, as my kids have gotten older, you know, into their 20s now. You know, I've maybe had a few parenting folks who maybe dropped off the board of directors, so I'm not as engaged with them as you know. How do I how do I raise an infant? How do I raise a toddler? Sure. The middle school years, the high schoolers, some different friends now. Like, how do you transition your kids from college into into the working world? Um, but thinking about that, what are you putting into your mind? How are you spending your time? Are you mindlessly scrolling through your feed? Are you watching, uh, you know, the latest, you know, whatever? show or are you taking that time to you know to read read books to listen to podcasts uh watching documentaries um 
going out and meeting with people, talking to people via, via Zoom or, or via teleconference um, to help yourself grow and get better. Right. And, and you know, right. we have to constantly learn. Society is constantly evolving, constantly changing. Um, and as leaders, if we're not evolving, um, what do we really, what value can we, we bring back to the table? And, and you can't get stuck in your ways because uh, mm-hmm. there was a, a quote uh, I, I use pretty often that if you don't like change, you're going to hate irrelevance. So, so <laughs> I love so, that. I love so, that. Yeah. So, so keeping up to date with, you know, what's, what's going on in, in the world, what's going on in technology, what's going on with, with people who are stakeholders. And I think that's another yes. important thing to realize with the board of directors too, is, is, is there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of people who are willing to comment, be critical and hold an opinion who don't have any skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So I really try to tune those folks out. The people who don't have a vested interest in me as a person, I'm not super interested in what their opinion is. People who aren't paying customers, people who aren't viewers, people who don't aren't sponsors, people who haven't put either time or emotion or money on the table and are in the game. Right. Those are the people I want to listen to. My family, mm-hmm. my close mm-hmm. friends, you know, mm-hmm. there's just a whole bunch of noise, whole bunch of casual people. You know, we've got, We've got that core group. You know, I think we have about 5,000 people that we kind of know their faces. And out of that, there's about 20 people in our lives that are really important. So don't let mm-hmm. those 5,000 take you away from making sure you make a difference to those 20 people. And it's not who comes to your funeral. It's who cries at your funeral. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people will come out of obligation, out of respect. But have you made an emotional connection? Have you made a difference in somebody's life? That yeah. They say, I'm, I'm sad that this person is no longer part of my life. And as you get a little older, you realize that's really what the game is about, is about yeah. Yeah. giving to other people, sharing your experiences, helping other people achieve their goals, achieve their vision of success, and, uh, yeah. and helping share your perspective, share what's worked for you. Um, I think that's really important. Just always frame things as, this is what worked for me. It may or may not work for you, but this is what has made me successful. And, and can you take pieces and parts from other successful people's lives, people who've walked the path ahead of you, people that you want to want to be like? And uh, I, have a, I have a little band here that I keep on my wrist says, be a godly steward. And mm-hmm. I, that's really what I try to focus on every day, that none of, none of this is mine. I have been entrusted with this. I have been entrusted with a spouse, entrusted with kids, entrusted with a job, entrusted with responsibility, literally entrusted with other people's trust to make, yes. make decisions. And if I can go go to sleep at night knowing that I did my best to use those things to the best of my ability, then whatever's happened, you know, I sleep pretty good. Yeah. Well, man, I I, I appreciate you sharing that. I, I've uh, I've been off a few weeks from the podcast, and one of those reasons was my mom passed away, and we mm. had people at the funeral who got up and told stories about my mother that I didn't know. I had a friend text me and say, when I was in college, your mom gave me this advice and she quoted the advice that my mom had given her 40 years ago, right? And so that's a life where, you know, she invested into other people. And so I, I love what you're saying, you know, you're, you're being a steward of your of your talents and, and of your time and of your resources and, and making sure you're putting it in the right place. Um, have you read the book, uh, you know, Ernie Johnson, TNT? Yes. Uh, Inside yeah. the NBA. Have you read his book, Unscripted? I have I have not. I, I saw the, I, the talk he gave at the University of Alabama. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah and, and put, have, have it on my list to read. But uh, yeah, I, big, big fan of Ernie's. 
I'm a big fan of Ernie too, and I will tell you, you will get that book and you'll read it in about a night and a half because it reads easy. And just if you want to talk about a guy who's been through challenges and had career successes and had devastating things happen to him and come through with the, you know a strong faith and a strong purpose, uh, that that's that's a book you want to grab a hold of. Any anybody, uh, Mike, in your circle along your travels, athletes, celebrities, anybody that you would say, you know, Rob, you'd be surprised, but this guy's a really or this gal's a really great person, and you would never know it because they just they operate under the radar, but they're just such a influential. Boy, um, you know, again, uh, he's not too under the radar, but one I really point to that I didn't spend a ton of time with, but spent a good, no, a reasonable time is Charles Barkley. Okay. And nice. Charles is somebody who, uh, one of the most open-minded people I've ever, I've ever met. Uh -huh. uh, and the Charles Barkley that you see on TV is the Charles Barkley that you get in real life. And there <laughs> are so many people. Brother. Yeah, authentic, yeah. And, yeah. And when you really sit down and, and, and listen to him, um, you know, you may not agree with everything that he says, but he doesn't, a lot of what, ways he doesn't hold traditional views. And so mm -hmm. much of what he says is right on, on point, especially where we are today as a, as a society. And, you know, as, as, as a black man, you know, I, I listen to his perspective because, you know, mm -hmm. I may be a man, but I'm never going to be able to understand what, what he went through. And, and he may mm -hmm. point to the fact, yeah, look at how wealthy I am. But he wasn't always Charles Barkley, you know, the, the icon. So he's somebody that, uh, having spent time with him when he was on the Rockets and worked sure. with him on different things, saw that he is the same guy when the camera is on him as he is when the camera's off him. And there's so many people that, you know, the camera goes off and they just change, they change We've demeanors. Seen that. But, yes. but, you know, again, people like like a, a Dean Smith, you know, somebody just had a huge influence on me. Um, yeah. People like like Pat Williams, people like Rudy Tomjanovich. Uh, the person I work for here, Marcus Smith, uh, my boss and also consider a friend, um, you know, a great Christian values. Um, it's been a joy to, to, to work with, with him and to, to be able to, to earn his trust and to be able to, to have an influence on the company uh, mm -hmm. to try to make this a place that people enjoy coming to work, that people feel like they're part of something bigger, that people treat each other with respect and uh, as teammates and work, kind of get those, those four principles again that, you know, uniting people together. Because that's, we all want to be part of something bigger. You know, right. we, we don't just right. want to be, we weren't designed. I mean, COVID has shown us we were not designed to be isolated. We were designed right. to be right. together and, and work together. And and more and more, it's not about how much money do you make. It's not about what is your job. It's about am I doing something alongside other people to bring something to the world yeah. that makes the world a better place. And for us, it's, hey, if we can take somebody's mind off whatever else is on their mind to come and have That's a right. good time uh, at a race or at an event, uh, again, create a, a remarkable uh, event in their minds, then uh, you know we feel like uh, we've done our job. Absolutely, Mike. Man, I, I I cannot thank you enough for spending an hour with me today. Really appreciate your words of wisdom, your your perspective. Uh, just thanks thanks for being on the Marketing Chief Podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great to connect again, and uh, yeah. we'll definitely continue to follow and uh, catch up on uh, the past episodes. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. If you like what you hear on the Marketing Chief Podcast, be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app or YouTube and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Marketing Chief Podcast.